Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Really glad you're with us for the Wednesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. We do have good, bad, and crazy martinis today, just not in the uh, usual order. We're going to start with the bad, because for the most part, uh, President Biden's first State of the Union address was uh, reheated leftovers of his uh, existing agenda, at least the things that haven't gotten done yet, which is a lot of it, thankfully. Uh, Some tired old tropes that just simply aren't true, some gaslighting. Uh, There were some better moments, more towards the beginning, as he was uh, focused on the Russia and Ukraine situation. Uh, He, first of all, made this announcement as the latest efforts to hamper Russia's economy and punishment for invading Ukraine. Tonight, I'm announcing that we will join our allies in closing off American airspace to all Russian flights, further isolating Russia and adding additional squeeze on their economy. Speaking of flights, we talked yesterday, Jim, about fly zones and how some people want no-fly zones over Ukraine, monitored by NATO and even the U.S. Uh, Biden making clear that's not going to happen unless uh, Russia goes beyond those borders into an actual NATO country. Our forces are not engaged and will not engage in the conflict with Russian forces in Ukraine. Our forces are not going to Europe to fight Ukraine, but to defend our NATO allies in the event that Putin decides to keep moving west. For that purpose, we have mobilized American ground forces, air squadrons, ship deployments to protect NATO countries, including Poland, Romania, Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia. And as I've made crystal clear, The United States and our allies will defend every inch of territory that is NATO territory with the full force of our collective power. Every single inch. Then he got on to the domestic stuff, Jim, and that's where confusion tended to reign in a number of places and other places where you just flat out don't believe him, like saying he's going to secure the border and that Democrats totally want to fund the police. Uh, But uh, here's a, a contrast. First, the clip of we got to build and buy everything in America, which sounds great. And then also, hey, we're going to tax you guys. That means make more cars and semiconductors in America, more infrastructure and innovation in America, more goods moving faster and cheaper in America, more jobs where you can earn a good living in America. Instead of relying on foreign supply chains, let's make it in America. I may be wrong, but my guess is if we took a secret ballot in this floor, that we'd all agree that the present tax system ain't fair. We have to fix it. I'm not looking to punish anybody. But let's make corporations and wealthy Americans start paying their fair share. Well, that's going to do a lot of good for businesses, of course. Uh, Jim, then he talked about how COVID is waning, and so it's time to get past the discord and the disagreements of the pandemic, because, man, we need to be unified, forgetting the fact that he's been one of the people uh, causing a lot of the disunity. So here's that uh, statement and a couple of recent statements from him that would suggest otherwise. Let's stop sending each, seeing each other as enemies and start seeing each other for who we are, fellow Americans. Do you want to be the side, the side of Dr. King or George Wallace? Do you want to be on the side of John Lewis or Bull Connor? Do you want to be on the side of Abraham Lincoln or Jefferson Davis? This is the moment to decide. You've been patient, but our patience is wearing thin. And your refusal has cost all of us. 
And, of course, he, uh, our last clip here, he uh, accused Republicans of trying to suppress voting. The most fundamental right in America is the right to vote and have it counted. And look, it's under assault. In state after state, new laws have been passed. Not only suppress the vote, we've been there before, but to subvert the entire election. We can't let this happen. So a lot of content there, Jim. A lot of places we could go with the conversation. Uh, some definite gaslighting there, some contradictions in policies, uh, some clear statements, I would say, for the most part, on Russia and Ukraine. Others thought he should have uh, made the case for why it's important to stand with Ukraine. But uh, what stood out to you, good, bad, and otherwise? Greg, you're really trying to get me to use the term. There's a lot to unpack here. Um, <laughs> I used too many clips, I know. You're, you're just you know, loading it all up there. <laughs> so the, the, one of the things that jumped to mind as we listened to the made in the USA, made in the USA. Everything that the Biden administration does is going to be made in the USA, except for the COVID tests that they ship <laughs> to us and that they have more. Oh, by the way, like apparently like 40% of those COVID tests they sent out haven't been claimed. We have their, they're just sitting there. I, you know, Hopefully the expiration date is still some ways away. Um, but I have to notice it was made in China, and I'll avoid any crude jokes about the COVID-19 becoming pre-installed in the COVID tests we get from China. They're perfectly reliable and safe, but um, kind of ironic that this administration likes to beat the drum on made in the USA so much. And then, of course, this big project required lots of imports from China. Um, I think what, what I, to the extent I'm going to remember this State of the Union address, which is not going to be much, <laughs> it, it's going to be that... In, I tuned on, I turned to CNN, like, you know, maybe half hour, 20 minutes before the speech began. And they were had, you know, CNN for all of their, their faults, and they have many. Uh, it's a better place without Chris Cuomo. And every time Don Lemon takes over for uh, Anderson Cooper or Wolf Blitzer in the prime time in the evening, I groan. But uh, CNN's got a lot of reporters on the ground in Kiev. The footage is amazing. Um, the interviews are amazing and they're they're doing a good job. You know, this, this is what CNN has always been best at, not giving you, you know, not political shouting shows, but just live on the ground. Here's what's happening in this far off corner of the world. And uh, I just put everything in the State of the Union in perspective. Right? I mean, we, you know, the, the, the Russian invasion that is occurring in the name of, quote unquote, denazification blew up a Holocaust memorial yesterday. Right. I mean, we're, we're they're, they're shelling cities, they're blowing up schools, there are reports of doctors and, and hospitals and, and neonatals like it, it's th this is as hellacious and bad as it gets. And I'm supposed to get really fired up about the fact that the highway guardrails are going to be made with steel that's entirely made here in the United States. Uh, the president's speech, the first five, 10 minutes that we're focusing on Ukraine were fine. I think that's when he got the most bipartisan applause. And that was, you know, what you'd expect. Uh, and then he went back and gave exactly the same speech he was planning to give about two weeks ago. And you could just kind of see that there was a section about Ukraine that was tacked on in the beginning, uh, maybe 10 minutes worth, because it was an hour and 10 minutes of a speech. It was far too long. Biden is not a stirring orator. And it just felt like a, you know, the, the State of the Union always sounds like a laundry list. Last night felt particularly like a, a bad laundry list of legislative proposals that we all know are going nowhere. And nothing has changed. Joe Manchin still feels the way he does. Kirsten Sinema still feels the way he does. The balance of power in the Senate and the House is the same. Nothing has changed from a couple months ago. It was a truly pointless speech. It will be quickly forgotten. And it just seemed small in light of the serious events happening halfway around the world. Do we see a Democratic argument, particularly on the uh, post 
post-pandemic, if we're actually at that point now, unity uh, pitch here? Or is uh, the way that his administration and others uh, acted towards people who disagreed with them going to linger? I mean, how, how, uh, how well will that be remembered? You know, I kind of feel like if you want, if, if the irony is, as, as we laid out, this is a, a presidency that was in, you know, deep doo-doo as of a few mo- weeks ago. Um, Biden is not changing the poll numbers. His approval rating is still very low. Uh, all the berating in the world isn't going to change the mind of Manchin. Like, he, he's in bad spot. So along comes this really, I don't want to say unprecedented, but really rare, large-scale foreign policy challenge. A dictator is invading neighbors in Europe and doing so in, in unspeakably brutal ways. Like, it, Biden wanted to be FDR, okay? Here's your FDR moment. I hear you. But if you're going to do that, it's you got to lead. You got to lead into that. You have to basically put aside all of your usual. And we're going to do gun control and, and all the other kind of stuff that has been tried and been rejected and is going nowhere. So there really was an opportunity for him to hit the reset button. No pun intended. Dealing with Russia, um, with uh, on his entire presidency last night, and he chose not to do it. And I think it demonstrates a certain amount of. Um, lack of nimbleness and a lack of creativity uh, around the team, both in Biden and who, you know, we didn't have high expectations to begin with, uh, but also with the team around him, uh, most notably Prime Minister Ron Klain. No, that's exactly right. And uh, we will see. Uh, We'll be talking about Biden again in the next martini a little bit as well. But uh, yeah, the needle didn't move. Even David Axelrod admitted the, uh, the tide had not turned. And Based on what most of the numbers are showing us in the instant polls, uh, most people who watched uh, like Biden, so they're fairly lopsided in his favor, although apparently not as good as last year. So, yeah, uh, I mean, go like, if, down. You know, the people who don't like Biden aren't watching. <laughs> so, <laughs> they're not going to show up in those instant polls of did you watch the speech and what do you think? So, all right. Well, uh, if you're frustrated with not a lot of action at the border and uh, Biden trotting out his uh, same old list of terrible ideas that thankfully haven't gotten enacted into law so far. Uh, But you're worried about that and what's going on in Ukraine and your own life has a lot of different uh, twists and turns as well, of course. So is your mind uh, sprinting? Has it been doing that for years on end now, leaving trails of stress, anxiety and fatigue that might be eroding your mental health a little bit? Well, if that sounds like you, then it might be time to adopt some small daily practices that will have a huge impact on your long-term happiness and well-being and it's easy to learn with headspace you know we all say oh we're doing fine when we don't mean it but fine isn't really an emotion now is it how many times have you told yourself i'm doing fine when you've really felt anger or sadness or, or just on edge headspace is scientifically proven to help you manage your feelings and your mental health in fact a recent study proved in just two weeks headspace can reduce your stress by 14 percent Whether you want to relieve stress and anxiety or sleep better or just improve your focus, Headspace is your everyday dose of mindfulness for real life. And as we've said many times, our executives here at Radio America have pointed out that a number of different hosts have used Headspace. It's just a quick app for the most part, five, ten minutes, just to kind of reset your day a little bit and uh, gives you better focus, uh, better sleep. They uh, say that uh, many of our hosts have uh, seen excellent results as a result of Headspace. And so, uh, however you're feeling, try Headspace at headspace.com slash martini and get one month free of their entire mindfulness library. This is the best Headspace offer available, so go to headspace.com slash martini today. Again, headspace.com 
slash martini. All right, Jim, one of the things that Biden spent a curiously small amount of time on in the State of the Union address last night was our energy situation, both from an economic situation as well as from a national security standpoint. Because, as I think Steve Scalise pointed out yesterday, uh, we are spending $700 million a day importing oil from Russia, about 600,000 barrels per day. Now, there are some administration officials say that it's on the table to address that, reduce that, maybe even eliminate it if, it's, if that's possible. But uh, to this point, uh, that has not happened. Uh, Biden's still sticking with his anti-fossil fuel strategies. Meanwhile, over at uh, the trading for crude oil today, it got as high as about $112.50. As we're speaking right now around noon Eastern, it's $108.33. But of course, it's always fluctuating. So it went north of $100 a barrel, I believe, yesterday or the day before, Jim. So the fact that he's still dragging his feet on this energy agenda, and I know we've talked about this in Martinis already this week, truly insane. Yeah, and this is what I mean by the, the lack of nimbleness and flexibility and adaptability in this administration. Like, looking at this situation, they're, they're headed towards an absolutely disastrous midterm election at this point. Red wave, red tsunami, you know, whichever metaphor you prefer. And if you're Biden, you have a chance. This is one of those things where, like, if you want to say, the Greens would be disappointed if you said, yep, we're, we're going to expand the leases. We're going to make it easier to uh, frack. We're going to expand U.S. domestic oil and, and natural gas production here at home. The, the Greens would be upset, but lots of other people would prefer it. It would send a pretty clear message to the rest of the markets, and you might actually reduce gas. Or at minimum, no one would be able to say gas prices are unbelievably expensive and uh, Biden is doing nothing. Biden isn't saying, well, the answer to high gas prices is to go, or, or right now he's effectively saying, go buy an electric car. Maybe those electric cars are pretty expensive these days. And he's like, oh, all these plans that are kicking far down the road. Oh, we're also releasing more money from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. If you've been listening to this podcast, I think went down about a dime or so for a few weeks and then went back right back up again. It is not an effective tool. It's a temporary short-term measure. And when gas is, I mean, I think it was regular by me, it was around 350. If you wanted premium or super premium, it was well past $4 a gallon. God help you if you're in California. You know, this this was a chance Biden had to pivot. This was a chance where he could have said, all right, you know, I, I really want to reduce our, our you know, carbon emissions. Um, oh, by the way, he could have pitched for nuclear power, but we know the Greens won't allow him to do that either. And it just is in this utterly frustrating, you know, situation. No, 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 you know, he couldn't give up on this, which means he's staying on a path that's not working and he's waiting for it to just magically turn around, which is kind of his approach to a whole bunch of uh, issues related to inflation which he also insisted was temporary and nobody figured it was going to be sustained and things like that. So we have a, a calcified old man as president who's charted his course. He's not going to deviate. And even in tons of evidence that it's not working and making things worse, he will not adapt. And it's just utterly, just, you know, utterly frustrating, Greg. It's very frustrating. Uh, good on Joe Manchin for also pointing out that uh, we need to end dependence on Russian energy and get back to domestic energy production. Uh, even if you think renewables are the future, and uh, there's there's reason to debate that, we're not there yet. There's no way to produce the capacity and the amount of energy we need at a reliable rate uh, at, at a price that we can afford other than the way we have been doing it. You've got to have this at least as a bridge, if not uh, as a reality check going forward. So uh, the fact that Biden and most of the Democrats uh, 
uh, don't want to acknowledge that is is very very frustrating. In fact, you know AOC and Rashida Tlaib, because of course everybody, as you pointed out yesterday on Twitter, has a State of the Union response now. Uh, disappointed that Biden didn't go further in their direction. They of course uh, want to pretty much ban fossil fuels immediately. But uh, Jim, there is something fantastic that we can talk about here, and I'm the left wants to kind of ban this too because they think this is adding to the climate crisis, and that is the fantastic meat available at Omaha Steaks. I still remember getting my first package of Omaha Steaks as congratulations for our oldest daughter being born a number of years ago. I was not only grateful for the gift, I was surprised how great they were. I'd heard of Omaha Steaks before. I figured, oh, you know, they ship them across the country. They're probably pretty good. They are phenomenal. Omaha Steaks makes it easy to stock up on all your favorites. And look, the weather's getting warmer. Uh, You're probably going to clean the grill soon and start cooking out. March Madness is around the corner. I'd say opening day, but not so much. Uh, visit uh, omahasteaks.com and enter Martini in the search bar and order the Omaha Steaks sampler today. You'll save over 50%, plus you'll get 12 Omaha Steaks burgers for free with your order. This package has it all, from the butcher cut filet mignons to the caramel apple tartlets. And everything they've got there, from their steaks to their burgers to their franks to their meatballs, it's all fantastic. Honestly, there is a reason why Omaha Steaks has been the leader of gourmet steaks and food since 1917. No one, no one comes close to matching the flavor, tenderness, and value of Omaha Steaks. Visit omahasteaks.com and type martini in the search bar to take advantage of this exclusive package. Every order is backed by their 100% satisfaction guarantee and delivered safely to your doorstep. omahasteaks.com, keyword martini. And don't forget, when you use the keyword martini, you get 12 free burgers with your order. All right, Jim, uh, we said yesterday, grim news for the most part uh, in Ukraine, and that's still the case on a number of fronts. The EU has somehow completely flopped in their uh, promise to give fighter jets to Ukraine. That's a whole different story. Uh, The Russian convoy seems to have slowed down a bit, but they do believe that within a week, most likely, Kiev will kind of be choked off and within a month uh, things could be really really dire there but we do have some good news because remember that putin ordered his uh, special hit squad an elite group of chechens that he had in africa for some reason uh over to ukraine to take out vladimir Zelensky, the president and a whole list of other people but that has not succeeded to put it mildly um according to reports Oleksiy Danilov, Secretary of the National Security and Defense Council, said an elite group of Chechens had arrived in Kiev to kill the Ukrainian president. He said they were in two units, one of which was captured while the other was under fire from Ukrainian forces. And he told Ukrainian television the Chechen units, which, quote, came to kill our president, had been eliminated. So hopefully that means that they are uh, dead. So, Jim, the other part of this report is that they got good intelligence from a source inside Russia that was not in favor of the war. So uh, hopefully that person is not sniffed out. He could be a very good source of, uh, of information. However, if he is caught, I'm sure he'll be dead within hours. But uh, what do you make of uh, at least that bit of good news? Yeah, look, we're getting a lot of information from the Ukrainians that – uh, conceivably could be propaganda, conceivably could be exaggerations of what's happening. But it seems pretty likely that if, you know, God forbid, uh, Zelensky passes away as killed by some bomb or something, we're going to know about it. So the fact that Zelensky is still alive is a sign that at minimum, this Chechen hit squad did not achieve their mission. And when you say they're hopefully dead uh, and killed, Greg, I don't think it's likely the Ukrainians just talked them out of it. 
I, I, you know, <laughs> Chechens seem pretty hardcore. They don't seem like the type to say, oh, uh, maybe we shouldn't be doing this. Um, so I, I'm glad to hear that. You mentioned the uh, NATO countries not offering uh, air assets to the Ukrainians. And in fact, I just happened to, right before we started taping, write a corner post on this. I've gone back and forth on this, Greg, and I kind of feel like it's probably the right choice as much as it may be deeply frustrating because the problem is, in fact, there have been several reports over the last couple of days of either Ukrainian officials or other European officials saying, yes, we're about to give, uh, basically effectively lend our air fighter jets to the Ukrainians uh, to say, hey, go get them, guys. Go, good luck, ghost of Kiev. Go, sh you know, go attack the Russian forces. And the first thing to keep in mind is that the Ukrainian Air Force flies Soviet-made planes, uh, the MiG-29s and a couple of Sukhoi jets. And most NATO nations are not flying those kinds. They're flying Western-made planes. Look, we have pilots in our listenership. I'm sure they can give a better sense of the difficulties of transitioning from one kind of fighter jet to another than I can. I do know that if I'm going into a life or death combat uh, of dogfights and stuff like that, I don't want to kind of sort of know how a plane works and stuff like that. Um, so the, there are three NATO countries that do have MiG-29s, Poland, Slovakia, and Bulgaria. Um, but all of them have basically said, no, we're not turning them over. And for very understandable, Poland, Slovakia, and Bulgaria might feel like, hey, we need those right now. <laughs> we kind of need all of the ones we have because we need to deter any further Russian aggression and stuff like that. The other big problem here is that if the MiG-29, let's say, let's say Poland says, fine, you can have our MiG-29s, come over, you know, put your pilots in them, go fly and attack the Russians. Well, if jets that are attacking the Russians are taking off from Polish bases, you know, God only knows if Vladimir Putin is seeing things clearly at all, but it you know, be very easy and understandable if Vladimir Putin said, okay, that Polish airbase is now a legitimate target because you're, that's where the, the flights that are coming that are bombing us. And if that comes to pass, you have the Russians attack the NATO airbase, Article 5 gets invoked, and before you know it, we have a full-scale uh, war between NATO and Russia. That would be very, very bad. As bad as what is going on in Ukraine is, I think all-out World War III between Russia and NATO would be worse. So the question is, how do we avoid that scenario? NATO is going to be sending Stinger missiles. NATO is going to be sending the Javelin anti-tank weapons. I'm sure they're sending over all kinds of other weapons and ammunition and stuff like that. Sending them jets does not seem like a uh, likely scenario, unless you can, you know, a, a scenario I put out in the corner, which I know is kind of ridiculous, is land the plane right near the border, put a Ukrainian pilot in it, taxi across the border, and then take off. And, you know, then technically it's a Ukrainian jet taking off from Ukrainian land. So, I, you know, I don't think that's going to come to pass. I'm hoping we don't end up with a uh, all-out war between Russia and NATO. But, uh, Greg, the, the idea of what's unthinkable has changed very dramatically in just the past two weeks. Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. I'm, I'm sorry you have to focus on another disappointing story involving jets. But um. this is, I was going to say, I, I taped with a uh, with Scott Mason, who does a Jets podcast yesterday. I said, this is the best, happiest topic I've had to talk about in weeks. <laughs> it wasn't this. It was Omicron. It was COVID-19. It was lab leaks. It was Afghanistan. Yeah, you know, four, four and 13. That's good news from where I said. <laughs> hey, and this is the free agency month. Next month's the draft. This is this is the busy season for teams like ours. Who's been rooting for Russian bears all along, Greg, you know, <laughs> when we do our attack ads for. Uh... Uh, very good. Yes. But then again, like actually Zelensky was the voice of Paddington Bear. So I guess some bears are OK. Jim, on that note, see you tomorrow. Have a good one.
See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Columbus of Radio America. Thanks so much for being with us today. Subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. Please tell your friends about us as well. We'd love to have them along with us as well. Uh, please uh, continue those five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Those are a huge help to us. Get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play 3 Martini Lunch Podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Wednesday, and please join us on Thursday for the next 3 Martini Lunch. Longtime CIA operative Rick Prado joins me to discuss his decades fighting communism. I'm Sarah Carter. On the latest Sarah Carter Show, Prado takes us inside his daring missions and how political considerations often take priority over national security. We'll also discuss how best to tackle the China-Russia threats, and I'll also explain what's really going on as Vladimir Putin puts his nuclear forces on alert. Don't miss it. Follow The Sarah Carter Show at Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.